have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you don't have any money to get a Bible, we'll help, be happy to help you get a Bible. It's, uh, there's plenty of them in our country, not, not that way everywhere in the world. Some places they're illegal, and, uh, uh, but here it's not, and we should take every uh, advantage that we have to read the Word in our own language. Praise the Lord, and uh, get the Word of God in our hearts. It'll make a difference. As we read the Scripture, I would encourage you to follow along, and uh, if you've got, you know, writing instruments and paper, take notes and write things down as the Lord speaks to you, and as certain things that I say will, will jump out at you, and they'll kind of stand out, uh, that's something that the Lord will want to uh, have you implement in your life, and so uh, pay attention now, okay, not just giving a lecture here. This is not just a, an intellectual study of the Word. This is a spiritual um, transformation that we're going through. We're saved in an instant, but then we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we must continually hear God's thoughts so we can adjust ours and start thinking like He thinks, acting like He acts, and uh, it'll have a powerful effect upon our lives day to day, okay? If you receive the Lord, heaven is home. Come on, it's secure, heaven is certain, there's no concerns or worries there, but we've got some time left on the planet, and we need to get it right, okay? We need to make the most of it, we need to live the life God intended us to live, and you and I cannot do that apart from this, okay? You remember Jesus in John chapter 17, He said, Lord, sanctify them, uh, in fact, Jesus, I believe, was praying there, John 17, Father, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. I think it's the 17th verse. Your word is truth. And so how does God separate us from this world? Well, we certainly are separated through the new birth, but as far as our practical day-to-day -day life, it's about receiving His word. The more of His word is in you, the more you are going to be different, and other people will take notice of that. We've got to be word people, man. We've got to be full of God's word breathing it, eating it, thinking about it all the time, and that will have a tremendous impact on our lives day to day. Praise the Lord. Amen. That was good whether you know it or not. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much today for this opportunity to study your word. We do uh, desire your word. We need it more than daily food. We want to hear from heaven. Lord, give us the word for the hour, the message for this time. Lord, give us that which is right and necessary for every person's life. Today, may they hear from you and everything be different when they leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series, as you know, we've been, we've been teaching for a little while on the love of God. The love of God is a very important subject. Jesus walked in love. When he was on the earth, completely walked in love. How many know Jesus was not a wimp? He uh, when we say that he walked in love and that we are supposed to walk in love, understand Jesus was not sissified in any kind of way. As some movies have portrayed him, they tried to act like he was just kind of just so weak. And uh, no, no, I got to tell you, a weak person could not do what he did. And in reality, when we understand the love of God, a person who will lay his life down, I'm not just talking about the cross, but a person who will lay his life down for another is not a weak person. A weak person really lives for themselves, and they try to manipulate and force and, and get everyone to, to serve them and please them, but a strong person, even someone of great importance, will lay down their life to serve others, and we have the best example of that in Jesus. If I really want to be a strong man in this life and be someone of of influence and someone who has a standard about him, I'm going to be a person who walks in the love of God, okay? Again, most people don't do it because it's not really easy. I mean, it takes some discipline in the flesh, it takes some crucifying of the flesh and of your own will and desires to walk in love and put other people first. But uh, how many are up to the challenge? Come on, we're going to take this on. This is the love of God. We're called to it, and God has empowered us to do it. Let's read our text here in John 13. Jesus said in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. And so Jesus put primary importance on the love of God. Now take a left turn with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11. We've been discussing the different attributes of love as of late. Earlier on in this series, we talked about how much God loves us. And how many know you have to experience love before you can effectively uh, minister that love to another person or act that love out to another? Uh, we have to know how much God loves us. Secondly, we must know that through redemption, through the new birth, love has been imparted into our lives. Romans 5 says it's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so we have, we have to know that God's love abides and dwells in us. From that foundation now, we can begin to express this love, God's kind of love, to other people. But in doing so, we're all going to have some hiccups now and then where we find ourselves doing something that's contrary to love. And if we have it firmly defined in our minds what love is, how it acts, how it treats people, how it deals with adversity and circumstances, then we will know what's flesh and what's spirit. Okay, And so as we define this, some of it's going to go, you know, it's going to point some things at us and we're going to go, ew. When we recognize that we've acted in a way that's contrary to love, but hey, it's important if we're going to grow and if we're going to increase in this, sometimes we have to look at some things that are not very pretty. All right, but let's step it up because the more you walk in love, I mean, the more you're going to be walking in the fullness of what God intended for you to have in this life. Now, now Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, uh, Jesus said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. All right, one of the great scriptures on prayer and on the prayer of faith. If you need something from God, I tell you what, that's a good scripture to study right there and a good, good one to pray. That's a good, effective way to pray. But what I want to share with you now is connected to that and that is uh, love forgives. And I want to spend some time talking to you about forgiveness. Now, how many know when we, when we read this, Jesus didn't stop at verse 24 and say, okay, disciples, verse 25. <laughs> Do you talk to your friends in, <laughs> in, in verse, <laughs> in chapter? What he was just sharing with them, and the, of course, we know that translators added the chapters and verses later so we could find things, and I'm glad that they did, but this discussion continues here as he's talking about prayer, talking about faith, receiving from God. He said in verse 25, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, anything against anyone forgive him when should you do this when you're praying if you have anything against anyone forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses apparently there is a big connection between God responding to me and my own heart and what, how I have dealt with others who have done me wrong. If I don't forgive them and I go praying, it seems to me that my prayers are going to be undermined. They're going to be hindered from being effective and coming to pass. Jesus gave me a real specific. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but a lot of times people are looking for reasons why stuff is not working. If things are not working... Well, Jesus gave us a very specific reason right here why people are praying, why things are not working, because they have something against someone. If you have anything against anyone when you're praying, it's time to deal with it. That must be dealt with. Otherwise, I can't say much else but to think, you know, I, I think your prayers are going to be a, a waste of time. Okay. Now listen, if you've been alive for more than a day, you have had the opportunity to forgive people. And if you're going to stay alive for more than a day, you are going to have opportunities to walk in love and forgiveness. Not everybody takes up those chances and opportunities, but we all have them. Many people live selfish lives. Now, let me define those many people. Those are the people who haven't heard this series, okay? 
they don't yet know that love is not selfish. <laughs> and they don't know that God's love has been poured out in them and they have this ability. Okay? But listen, there's more people out there. We're not the only ones. And so we need to be prepared to deal with them when they start coming to church. <laughs> All right. Some of you don't know. Is he serious now? Or <laughs> in, a, in a jesting way, I am. Yes. The love of God has been given to us, and as we walk that out, we become less and less offensive as far as dealing with people. But listen, there are a whole lot of people that are completely selfish. And because of that, they are going to hurt you, or at least try. They will do things at times to offend you, to come against you, and how we deal with them will determine uh, the... <laughs> Ooh, I, I felt that. <laughs> we'll, we'll determine the quality of your relationship with them. Now listen, many, many relationships are cut off as a result of unforgiveness. Too many times relationships separate because people simply will not forgive and they hold things against other people. That should not be the case with us, okay? Now listen, is there ever a time where a relationship should be separated? Is it ever right where relationships need to, be, need to go apart, okay? Certainly there could be times where, uh, I don't mean because of, uh, because of anger and things like that, but there are times when uh, we're not supposed to be in a real close relationship with another person. There are a lot of people. I don't know them all. Not supposed to. Okay, we got eternity. Hopefully we get a chance to meet everybody. <laughs> but now, am I supposed to be in a, in a close relationship with every other Christian? No, not necessarily. And I know specific examples. I know back when I was in uh, going to Bible school, there were, uh, there were times when I would see someone of the, uh, of the female sort and and wanted to, you know, in the, being in that period of time when marriage was looking attractive uh, to me, looking for, uh, you know, and believing God for the right person and, and seeing someone and thinking, huh, that looks like the one. <laughs> but as I proceeded and moved towards and moved into that relationship, uh, that the Lord stopped me. And I could have overridden, we've all probably overridden the direction of the Lord at different times and hopefully repented and got back but uh, there were times when I wanted to go a certain direction but I knew on the inside mm -mm. the Lord did not want me in that relationship and if I had gone a little bit you know and established a relationship there were times when the Lord said no this relationship needs to quit this relationship needs to stop. It's not my will. There are times when the Lord will do that with us when He doesn't want you necessarily close with certain people. Sometimes you'll know why. Sometimes you won't know why. But you'll just know that it's God. All right? Uh, even, even when it comes to church. We, we have a church relationship here. And we have church family. Is there ever a time when God would want someone to separate from a church family? Well, I don't think I could say that God would never say that. That sometimes He wouldn't lead one person to disconnect from one and connect to another. I know, uh, you know, about 20 years ago, I can remember I was in a relationship with a particular ministry. This wasn't a local church. When I say I was in a relationship, I don't mean they knew me personally, but I received from a particular minister quite a bit. And was really blessed by what they were teaching and what they were saying. Really helped me. Really helped me to increase in faith and, and walk with God. And uh, I received from, from them. And, and at times I would, uh, I would support financially. But it seemed like later on that relationship really wasn't supposed to be there anymore. I didn't, it wasn't because there was a problem. I didn't speak evil of them or say, oh, they're bad now, so I'm leaving. No, they were still good and still doing the will of God. It just seemed like the Lord connected me elsewhere, okay? And, and I know, uh, you know, I can speak about my life. I know the most about it. I, I know when, when, when I 
was led by the Lord to Twin Falls and connected with that church down there uh, and was there for a number of years. I believe that was a God-ordained relationship. Uh, but the time came, and we still have good relationship, but the time came uh, in that relationship where there needed to be a separation. And if I, didn't, if I wasn't open to that, if I thought, no, this needs to be forever, well, then I would have missed God and none of this would be here. Okay, and there's still good relationship, but sometimes things have to change, and God will lead a person a certain direction and, and change their direction. Here's what we, what we must be aware of, though, that we're not cutting off relationships for the wrong reasons. And this is where, you know, when I say, would God ever lead someone out of a church to go to another church? I think so, but in my experience, most of what I've seen hasn't been God. Too much of the time when that's happening, it's someone is not walking in forgiveness. They're not walking in love. Sometimes people just backslide, and that's always not good either, right? Uh, but so, too many times relationships sever for the wrong reasons. And it say, well, the, what if the Lord leads me to leave this church? Make sure it's the Lord. That's all I'd say. I mean, he's God, not me. He's the Lord. He's your master. You need to follow him. But make sure it's not as a result of I'm just kind of ticked off or I have unrealistic expectations or something like that. It's somehow getting in the flesh, and that's why something's happening. We need to make sure that God is involved with these type of decisions, all right? But God will lead people in and, and do different things. We need to, need to let Him uh, direct our steps and order our paths. But many people, again, live selfish lives. How will we respond to that? Because you will never have long, healthy, happy relationships if you don't forgive. What if I find the perfect person? <sighs> they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if I, what if I found the perfect church and everybody is just great? <laughs> well, you just ruined it as soon as you got there. <laughs> Say, but what if we grow so much in love here and we are just so giving and so generous and we all serve and everything is just, man, it'll be like heaven on earth. Yeah, you're right. But if we're really doing our job, there'll be new people coming to receive the Lord and they don't walk in love completely yet. Okay, and they still have to be taught and instructed, have their mind renewed. But it's important that we know how to deal with bad situations and people doing us wrong. If we don't know how to deal with it, we're stuck. Because I can just prophesy to you, someone's going to try to hurt you. Especially you live for God and want to serve God. There'll be people motivated, inspired by demonic forces to try to get you to quit. Try to hurt you in a way where you want to throw in the towel and give up and say, it's not worth it. I can't believe they treated me like that. Question my motives. And here I am just wanting to serve and do right. Can't believe someone would hurt me like that. Listen, welcome to the club. We've got to have a little more stick to us. And say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to stay in relationship with the family and walk in love and let things go. That's got to be our determined purpose. Praise the Lord. So unforgiveness in a person's heart, back to our, our scripture here, will uh, keep our prayers from being answered. We know that our spirit, or the born again part of us, knows that we have been forgiven. And in, when we're operating in unforgiveness, that goes contrary to faith, which is, of course, essential for uh, having our prayers answered. But many times when someone is treated wrong, someone does a person wrong, they feel kind of justified in, in holding it against them because they hurt me and they did me wrong. Mm. And we kind of go back to that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And, and how many know that's the old covenant? That's before the love of God was imparted into us. And that's not the correct way for us to, to, us to respond. Now, now, now look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. And I want you to read with me and follow along in verse 23. 1823, Jesus said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, without getting real specific, um, if you wanted to know how does that uh, conform to today's money, we're talking billions of dollars. 
all right? But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. In other words, a few thousand dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done then his master after he had called him said to him you wicked servant I forgave you all that debt because you begged me should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you and what we see here is something that will very much help us to understand help us to walk in the love of God towards others okay Obviously, this guy was not justified in doing what he did. He had been forgiven a tremendous debt, yet threw someone else in jail for something that was minuscule, something that wasn't even to be compared, all right? If you and I ever have trouble forgiving someone of something they did, here's a beginning point to start. Remember how much God did for you. Remember how much you have been forgiven. The comparison here was big time forgiveness versus something just tiny. And think about it. The Lord Jesus has forgiven us for eternal sin. I mean, he redeemed us not just of something that would be a little discomforting to us for a few years. The Lord redeemed us from eternal punishment from being in in hell suffering forever he completely wiped that out from our lives and then we have got the goal the audacity to be angry with someone when they look at us crooked someone just does us a little bit wrong they say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and we're ticked off at them Wow, when we see this in the realm of eternity, I mean, come on, that is pretty disgraceful. But it's the same thing that Jesus is painting a picture of here. Man, you've been forgiven of so much, and yet you're going to be mad and hold this against somebody else, what they've done? In comparison, it's nothing. But all day long we have, we have people who are offended at this one because they treated me wrong and they said this and they didn't do this and, and, uh, and people are angry holding things against each other. And you've been given eternal life. You've been given redemption, the freedom from all sin forever. You've got mansion waiting for you in glory land. It's not even to be compared. Now think about it. Some, some may say, well... I understand that, and I understand not being mad at someone for, you know, not holding something against a person who's done something kind of small and petty, but in my situation, it wasn't small. In my situation, I mean, they really, they really did me wrong, and I'm, granted, I know there are situations that are pretty horrendous, and there are people who've been abused, and people who've been raped, and people who've been murdered, for that sake, you know, and the murder person might not be angry, but, you know, the, the person who's alive. And there's some serious issues. But here's what we need to understand. Jesus is aware of that. And he still wants us to compare to what, we've, what he has done for us. We've been forgiven of so much. And in comparison to eternal redemption, anything that someone has done against you that has hurt you for a day or a week or 50 years is minuscule okay and here's where we oftentimes are not seeing things from an, an eternal perspective you know the bible calls it this light affliction 
that we have. The light affliction should not be compared to the eternal glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, someone said, my affliction is not really very light. Listen, let's rehearse real quick who said that. Who called it their light affliction? It was a guy named Paul who wrote a good portion of the New Testament. And in fulfilling the will of God and serving the Lord in his life, he got beat up a lot. He got stoned. He got striped. You know, get, got the 40 minus 1 stripes three times. He was shipwrecked, left for dead. He was hungry and, and cold and naked. And he was, man, this guy suffered some stuff. He went through more than any of us have gone through. And he went through it over and over and over again, get thrown back in jail, probably had his own room. You know, here I am again, come in there bleeding again. For preaching the gospel, for getting people healed, for offering them eternal redemption. He could have easily at any time said, I don't understand this. Man, I believe in in prosperity. (laughs) I believe in healing. I believe in abundance. That God wants me to be happy. And yes, he did. And yes, he preached all that. But he was persecuted. And he responded and said, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to where I'm going. Compared to what I'm going to see, compared to what I'm going to have eternity in, I can handle this. I can handle simple 39 stripes, a little beating with rods. What's the big deal? I don't know about you, I haven't been beaten with rods lately. I haven't been shipwrecked lately. But sometimes we magnify, and again, I'm not making light of someone's pain and what someone has done. I'm trying to help. I believe the Lord wants us to see things in in perspective. But we are so angry and so uh, hurt by what someone else has done to us. And it doesn't compare with what the Lord has done for you and with what God's glory is going to be revealed in you. Come on, now you've got a glorious mansion waiting for you on acreage. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions or abodes or dwelling places. It's It's a spread. It's sweet. It's nice. And you're not far from it. And I believe that God, uh, you know this, we got scripture on it. God wants you to live happy, healthy, wealthy, strong, be blessed all the days of your life. But let's say for some reason, not, not a reason of God, but for some reason, maybe you can't even put your finger on it. You just didn't quite get there. Didn't get some prayers answered. Didn't get some things that you know was promised. But for some reason, something didn't work out. In, in your situation. It's only a few years and you're going to get it. You're going to be laughing at it anyway. I mean, worst case scenario. Can't we, can't we, we can do better than worst. But worst case scenario, just in a few years, we're all going to be looking back thinking, what was I so bothered about? Man, look at me now. Ooh, look at this. This is nice. This is sweet. It's forever. Glory to God. Keep things in perspective. Okay, but again, this person, the figures Jesus used, the numbers, I don't think they're a, they're a literal number. He's just saying like, let's say this guy owed, uh, this guy owed this king a gazillion dollars, <laughs> right? And then someone owed him a couple bucks. And likewise, the same thing is true uh, in our situation. You have been forgiven. The more you have an understanding and revelation of what God has redeemed you from and saved you from, the easier it's going to be for you to let other people go. And sure, someone did you wrong. Sure, someone uh, betrayed you or hurt you in some way. And uh, man, I forgive him anyway. I just forgive him anyway. The Lord has forgiven me, and I forgive them. Praise God. And so uh, if you look back now at the previous two verses that, that were written right before where we began to read, in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, forgive him 490 times in one day. Now, here's another situation. Is the Lord saying that if he sins against you 491 times, you can have his throat. (laughs) And I got you on that one. One, I would have forgiven you, but you did one too many times. How many know someone can't sin against you 490 times in one day? I think that's impossible. (laughs) He's saying basically there's no limit. 
The Lord has wiped out all of our sin completely, and we are instructed to do likewise. I mean, you think about someone sinning against you one time, you know, er, might get to you, but you say, no, I'm going to forgive them. Well, what about if they do it again? You say, ah, I can't believe you did that again. It's the same day. That was like an hour ago. I can't believe you did it again. Well, what, what, what does the flesh do? It wants to get them back, but what do we do? Forgive them. What if they do it again? An hour later, they do the same thing. The same thing. And they said they were sorry. I'm never going to do it again. And they do it again in an hour. The flesh will ri- want to rise up and say, someone's got to teach this turkey a lesson. <laughs> but is that how we act? No, forgive. And that's only, we're only up to three times. Fourth time, how many know the flesh is going <laughs> to going to be talking to you about what you're going to do to that person <laughs> what about a hundred times what about 200 times forgive 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 this is how the lord treats you this is how the lord treats me i want you to know he's not keeping records the lord doesn't have a book up there or he's keeping record of everything everything you've done as far as sin what what does he do the bible says he it's separated as far as the east is from the west he has no remembrance of things that you've done wrong and likewise, if we're walking in love, we're not going to have remembrance. Now, I, I, we're, you know, we're limited to some degree. Your mind might be able to recall things that people have done to you. But you, you choose and you say, no, I'm not going to hold on to this. not going to make a list. Don't have a list, of everything, don't have a list of everything your spouse did over the last 20 years. And as soon as there's an opportunity, you're going to start recalling stuff to remind them of how they did this, they did this, and they did you wrong here, and they did you wrong here. The Lord doesn't have those lists, and we shouldn't have those lists either. Okay? If you really walk in forgiveness, I'm talking about the good kind of forgiveness, God's kind of forgiveness. In fact, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Then you can't recall things like that. You, You can never bring them up again. If you really say that you forgave someone, you are not allowed to ever bring it up. Ever. Because if so, we're also saying that the Lord Jesus might bring one up on you. He might pull out his book and say, well, you remember this? If you're walking down the street of glory, street of gold one day, you know, in in eternity, and... uh, walking down the street with the Lord, and, and you start talking to him and say, Lord, you remember when I did this? That was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. And he'll look at you like, what are you talking about? He won't remember because he has purposely separated all sin from you. He will never bring it up. In fact, you talk to him about it now. If you've been forgiven of something and you want to bring it up to the Lord, he doesn't even know what you're talking about. Lord, you know how I've been so bad. Come on now, listen to his voice. He'll say, no, I don't. What are you talking about? This is actually true, you know. <laughs> when we say the Lord forgave us, it's true. And if so, it can never be brought up. Some people are afraid. Well, man, when I die, I know I'm saved, but man, the Lord's going to deal with me about some. No, he's not. What is he going to deal with you about? If you're forgiven, he doesn't even know about it. You're going to show up and he's going to go, oh good, there you are. Shiny and clean. Washed as white as snow. Looks just, you look just like him. Come on now. We either believe that or we don't. If we do, let's let it be a practical reality to us. And then, let's treat other people that way. You can't be remembering things. Can't be bringing, and if your mind, because I remember what they did, how am I going to get rid of that? You set it aside, and you refuse to go back to it. And you never bring it up to them. You kidding me? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, uh, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we forgive as God in Christ forgave us. How many know that's different than, well, I forgave him, but bless God, I'm not going to forget what that dirty rascal did to me. 
That's not as Christ forgave us. We don't forgive and stay mad. We don't forgive and still resent. We don't forgive and still recall that when it's needed. You know, if the appropriate argument comes up. <laughs> then we can just keep that on the back shelf and pull that one out. <laughs> little ammunition. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. And so what did he say? Let all bitterness. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit about. Bitterness. What happens if a person does not walk in love and forgiveness towards another person when they hold on to it? It turns into bitterness in their life. I never want to be a bitter person. Bitterness is bitter. Yuck. You remember when, when the Lord was revealed uh, to Moses as the Lord that heals thee? The Lord who heals thee? Remember what he did? It's because they came upon the, the waters of Marah. They were bitter waters. And they, the people were thirsty, and the only water they had was bitter, and he was instructed to take a tree and throw it into the water. And when he did, the water became sweet, and God was revealed as the Lord who heals. And that's real interesting. We know that that's, that's a, a type and a shadow of the cross, the tree that he threw in. Jesus, remember, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree the cross was a tree and when the cross is added to a bitter person's life what happens they become sweet amen you got bitterness in your life it's time to go back to the cross take that out of you and what is that taking it out of you of course it's changing our changing our heart but what does it do it shows us the forgiveness and love of god so that we then in turn operate in that same forgiveness and love of god towards others in Hebrews 12, verse 14, says, Pursue peace with all people. What does it say? Pursue what? Peace. Go after it. I am looking to be peaceful with everybody. Not looking for a fight. Not looking to be offended. I know that sounds strange to some. Some of you may remember I taught a series a few years ago. And one of the, in one of the messages I was teaching why people come to church. And one of my points, sub-points in that message was some people come to church to be offended. And I've just been in the ministry to, long enough to understand that. Some people are looking for offense. They're looking for someone to bug them. They want to be mad. They're not happy. If everything's going good too long, something's wrong. They don't know what to do if they're not mad at somebody. Don't have anybody to get on the phone with and complain about. They don't have anything to throw a fuss about. Anyway, pursue peace. We're looking for peace. We want things to be good between us. With all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by it many become defiled. Okay, what happens if a person doesn't walk in forgiveness and let things go with other people is that unforgiveness, it may start on the surface, just being an emotional uh, disruption, but if someone dwells on it and they think about it day after day and they start meditating on it week after week, what happens is it gets down on the inside and becomes a root in them. It starts growing down into the ground. And that root gets deeper and deeper, and it's more difficult to get out. That's why it's a real good suggestion to walk in forgiveness quickly. Don't be harboring grudges against people. Mad at, I'm mad at people from years ago. Listen, I could, if I wanted to take the time, I could give you some examples of things that people have said against, against me at different times, questioned my motives, and, and said I was anything but a nice guy. And... Uh, but I can honestly look back and I'm, uh, you know, I can recall them now. <laughs> but serious, I can think back towards people and I want only good for them. I can think back, you should, uh, there's this one person. <laughs> All right, there's five. 
No, but I'm telling you in all honesty, honesty, I don't want anything bad to happen to him. And if I were to see him, I'd be happy to see him. I'm telling you, there may be people that have hurt you, that have done you wrong, and man, they really just, they really did some wrong things. And you can, if you're not there now, you can get to the point where you honestly and sincerely want them to do well, want them blessed, want them to be happy. And if you were to see them, you'd give, it, you'd hug, you'd give them a hug and say, how's it going? Are you listening? And, and some of you, if you be honest with yourself, you might not be there with some people, but you can be there. See, what I'm talking about is supernatural. It's the love of God. It's not something that I just have to muster up enough strength to do this. Do we believe this is true or not? Did God place His ability in us, His love in us, so that we can love as Christ loved, or do I just have to kind of wing this and pull this off on my own? I believe that there's a supernatural love that I tap into. Because if it were just me, I'd be knocking heads. Because my flesh gets, can get as angry as anyone's flesh. My flesh can you know, be resentful and, and hurt just like anybody else's. But when I walk in the love of God, it allows me to live supernaturally. It allows me to let people go. They do me wrong. I'm not going to hold on to that. And don't let bitterness become a root in you. I mean, I think the Lord could get some herbicide and kill it even if it's a root. The love of God is that powerful. But it's better if we don't dwell on things and let that happen. He said, what happens if a root of bitterness, it said, would spring up and cause trouble? Why do some people have so much trouble in their life? Unforgiveness? You know why some people are sick? Unforgiveness? You know we're having a healing meeting tonight. Here's my instruction to you now. If you have physical problems, let it go. Who? That person who did you wrong. That person who hurt you. The person you're angry at. If, you, if you're holding unforgiveness against somebody, I'm going to he- help you get healed. Forgive them before the service tonight. You can be mad for a few more hours. But don't you dare, if you hear me, don't you dare come ask me or someone else to pray for you if you're in unforgiveness. And let us go, man, I just wonder why the power of God isn't going in this person. And you know the whole time. Because you, you've got a block right there. It's hindering your reception from God. And so what happens? Bitterness causes trouble. And then many become defiled. When people are holding, uh, taking, taking offense and holding on to it, oftentimes other people get a share in that. And they start getting offended too. And they start getting mad. And a person who's bitter, how many know they can't keep their mouth closed? They're going to start spouting and talking about the person they're angry at and what they did. And they've got to share it with somebody else. And then other people are drawn into that and their prayers stop working. Other people are drawn in and their life starts becoming defiled as well. This is a real serious issue. And we have the love of God, the ability of God in us to walk in this as we're supposed to. Let me show you one more verse in Colossians 3. Sometimes people think, man, if I'm just kind to people and if I'm just patient with people, uh, then that's then I'm doing my part of walking in love. Well, you know, that's part of it. But you can be a nice, a generally nice person and still be holding unforgiveness towards another person. And that really undermines all your niceties. Love is not the kind of thing that the love of God that holds on to petty issues. Well, I, don't really, I just really don't like this person. What does that mean? I don't like this person. Like there's this other person in church and I just, I just try to walk another way so I don't have to run into them. And Man, grow up. Man, if they're hitting you in the nose every time you see them, I'd avoid them too. You've got to use your brain. But just because someone has some things about them that's not your particular flavor, so What? Come on now. We're the family of God. There's, there's differences. 
you don't have to be best friends with someone who doesn't like the things you like and so forth, but we have some similarity. Can you call, can you say salvation? <laughs> can you say Jesus? If he doesn't unite us, what can? Okay, and we can't let little, again, little small things keep us from having the, the, the love that God intends for the family of God to have with each other, okay? Now, Colossians 3, this is similar to the verse in Ephesians, but verse 12, 312. Uh, it says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. For who should we forgive? One another. They were, that means Christians. Not just talking about forgiving people who are in the world, talking about forgiving each other. Well, why would that even be necessary? I mean, we're all saved. Why would we have opportunity to forgive each other? He said, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. What are we commanded to do? This is our instruction book from heaven. This is the New Testament law. He said, if you have something against another person, you must forgive them. You must do it. Someone might think, well, I've tried. I mean, I've tried to forgive this person. It's just... I don't think I can do it. I mean, I've tried to forgive them, but it's just there. They hurt me so bad. They did me so wrong. I don't think I can forgive them. I mean, they, they, they owe me $10,000. How, how am I going to forgive that? You must forgive them. And here's what we need to understand about forgiveness. It's not about how you feel. Your, whether you've forgiven someone or not is not dependent upon your emotions being released. And all of a sudden you feel all fuzzy and warm about that person. Again, I think that can happen, but it might take time for the feelings to catch up with the decision. What we must do. Listen, this is required of us. This is not optional. This is required. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God, you must do this. You have to let people go. It is required of you that you forgive. And if it hurts, and if someone has done you wrong, that doesn't uh, take you away from the responsibility of having to forgive them. Again, remember what the Lord did for you. Man, that's for eternal forgiveness. It lasts forever. And then make a quality decision. First before God, and maybe before that person. Say, Lord, I forgive them of what they did to me. I release them now. I let them go. And I'm, 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 I refuse to hold it against them from this point forward. Now, your mind might jump right into the conversation. Your, fle- your flesh will speak up and say, no, you don't. You're just saying that. You don't forgive them. If you did, you wouldn't feel this way. That's not true. The devil will chime in. You know, he'll bring his harmony part in there. You don't forgive them. <laughs> you wouldn't feel this way and all these all these things will start coming to your head but you made a quality decision to forgive and that's the final word and what happens then as you stay with that and then you pray for that person lord bless them and your mind will fight you your flesh will say uh, curse them <laughs> i pray that they die <laughs> <laughs> Bless them with death, Lord. <laughs> now, you'll have these thoughts, but no, you pray good for them. Pray that they'll do well. Pray for them that they'll be blessed. They'll be prospered. They'll be healed. They'll have great relationships. Everything. Just pray everything that you would want for them. Over a period of time, your decision of forgiveness will affect your mind and affect your emotions. And as you stay on that path, the time will come where you literally, you'll think about them and go, I hope they're doing good. If you see them. You'll be okay with that. Everything will be good. But the person who never makes that quality decision never gets there. Some people just cheapen their relationships and they try to just act like nothing's ever happened and they don't forgive and they try to ignore and those relationships are are kept at a shallow level. Okay? And if you need to go to a person, you offer forgiveness. Say, what if they really did me wrong and they never even acknowledge it? They won't admit it. They won't repent. Well, listen, forgiveness is available from you to them. You're not going to hold anything back. It's available. If they want to receive it, that's up to them. But as far as you're concerned, no root, 
No bitterness, no grudge. I'm not going to hold it. I let it go. How do I do that? Just like Jesus did for you. Times a billion. I'll give you your few bucks back. Jesus gave me a billion, man. And that's the heart. That's the attitude we need to deal with, with people in. Decide to do it now. If we're going to walk in the love of God, cut off the enemy's opportunities and, and entrances into our life to attack. If we're going to do that, we're going to let people go. We're going to forgive them. And happy to do it. Think about it. You get to do the same thing Jesus did. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't hold it to their account. Lord, that person did me wrong. I pray that you wouldn't hold it against them. Instead of, uh, I'm sure glad for that vengeance scripture. <laughs> and you are in trouble. Well, they might be in trouble. <laughs> Come judgment day if they don't get things cleaned up. But listen, it's not our duty to enforce. We forgive and we love just like Jesus did us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your empowerment today. Lord, we access, we tap into the very life and love of God that's been imparted into our spirits. And we believe that you're empowering us to live a supernatural life, to walk in the love of God instead of the flesh, instead of selfishness. Lord, we purpose and we choose today to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness towards all. We're not going to hold anything against anyone for the rest of our lives. We release them. We let them go. Let me encourage you right now, just as you sit there, to do, do a little business. If, the, if there's some business that needs to be done in your life, this is a perfect time. This is a perfect time. You acknowledge to, to the Lord. This is what you do. If there's been someone that, man, you've been holding it against them, you've been recalling it regularly, kind of still ticked off at them. If you, if, I'm not talking about you just have a feeling, but you have not yet made a quality decision to forgive them. Then here's what you do. First of all, you ask the Lord to forgive you for not forgiving them. He gave you so much, and this is our responsibility now to pass that forgiveness on. Say, Lord, forgive me for holding on to it. Forgive me for, for allowing that to stay in my heart. You've forgiven me, and now I forgive them. I choose this day and this moment to let them go, to release them. I forgive them. I'll not hold it against them ever again. Father, we thank you for your help today. You're empowering us to walk free from the mistakes and sins of others. Empowering us to live free from that. And this is the very love of God that we're called to walk in. Lord, I thank you for releasing us now as we release others. A newfound freedom comes to these, comes to us as we forgive and walk in love. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for that victory. Praise God. Thank you for love that never, ever fails, fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. We purpose to walk in that all the days of our lives. Amen. Father, I pray for those today who've never been born again.